That is the home builder's class in a nutshell. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron sent me that video. He was, could I play this? Is this too much? Over the top. And I said, no, go for it. I thought you would enjoy it. Don't you love to laugh? Laughter is wonderful. I hope this morning, though, as we consider our sermon series, Balance, last week we looked at worship. I hope this morning that we acknowledge the supreme worth of God. That's what worship's about, isn't it? Worship is about Jesus. And we acknowledge his greatness, his holiness, his righteousness. And really this morning, if there's any decision that needs to be made, I pray that if you do not know Jesus, that you will by time we're done today. Because he deserves all our worship, our praise, our entire life. Today, we're going to be looking at the subject of discipleship, discipleship. Our text verses for our sermon series is found in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Luke recorded these words, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's what our focus is going to be on today. And the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they're selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. So our sermon series is dealing with a healthy church. We want to be a healthy church. And within these passage, this passage of Scripture, we see five components that comprise a healthy church. We looked at one last week, worship. Today we're looking at discipleship. We'll look at fellowship next week, then service, and conclude in evangelism. And all of these components are important and should not be out of balance. Each has their place. They're interwoven one with another. They are all important. If we're going to be a healthy church, we want to have a well-balanced worship along with discipleship, fellowship, service, and evangelism. So when talking about discipleship, we, we want to consider what is a disciple. We see this word numerous amount of times within Scripture. What exactly is a disciple. I want you to notice the relationship between Jesus and his followers. Notice in Mark chapter 2 and verse 15. It says, and as they reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining, now notice this, with Jesus and his disciples. For they were many who followed him. When we see in the book of Acts that many devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that word devoted really implies two concepts. One, a close association. And two, a, a, a committed, continuous action 
that they devoted themselves to learn the teaching of the early church. I don't know about you that those same principles of teaching hasn't changed. They are still the same today. And notice that this relationship between Jesus and his disciples. You see, the word disciple gives us the idea of a learner, a learner. It's from the Greek bethetes, which implies a student-teacher relationship. For example, uh, I could say that while I, my time in the, in the military, I had a, a mentor, I had a, 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 a supervisor, I had a, a teacher, if you will, who taught me to be a good scout, how to do my job well, and, uh, I, and I've had a few of those. So you could say that I was a disciple of Captain Timothy J. Smith. I learned from him, and we had a close relationship. I could say, you could say I was his disciple. You might say uh, someone in the scientific field who studies science could be a disciple of their professor or their field. Or you could say, you know, if you are, uh, you know, a, a, a philanthropist or a philosopher or anything, that you might have certain ideas that you look up to, you abide by certain principles or teaching. Well, it, basically, a, a, a disciple is that, that learner underneath someone. There's a relationship. In this case, it's Jesus and his disciples. It's Jesus and us as a disciple, a learner. You could say it could be an apprentice relationship. It could be a, a mentor-mentee relationship. But a disciple is a learner committed to following his teacher and his teachings. And that's what a Christian disciple is, that we follow our leader, Jesus, and his teaching. We are devoted, we are closely related to, and we're committed to learning and applying our teacher's teaching. So a disciple is a learner. Well, how do you become a disciple? How do you enter into this relationship? And may I say it is by invitation that Jesus invites us into this relationship with him. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 29 and 30, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from the root word, methetes, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, what Jesus was combating in his day is that the, 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 the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the, the religious elite were, were, were dictating to the people and laying upon them burdens and, and, and rules and laws that they weren't even willing to face or to apply. And it was just a weighty upon the people. And Jesus said, no, I want to invite you into relationship with me and learn about me, learn from me. And trust me, this burden that you're carrying, 
will be lifted, and the burden that I have is very light. So come and learn from me. So becoming a disciple is an invitation that Jesus is making to every single one of us. You see, we're invited to acknowledge our need. You know what our greatest need is? Salvation. And do you know why we need salvation? Because the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I'm pretty sure if I was asked a raise of hands who is not a sinner in this room, that no one would raise their hands, at least I hope not, unless Jesus is among us this morning, which he is in spirit. Because we are all sinners. It's in our nature. We've been that way since the fall of man. It is within our DNA. We are corrupt. And we keep falling short to the righteous standard and holiness of God. And because of that, for the wages of sin is death. All, you guys understand a wage, right? We go to work all week, and after, after the pay period, we get a wage, what we earned. All that sin earns is death and separation from God. But notice this. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Jesus says, I'm inviting you into this relationship with me to learn from me. I'm to save you from your sin and its penalty. So we might, we're invited to acknowledge the provision. The provision. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, for by grace you have been saved. That, that idea of grace, is we describe it as God's unmerited favor, that God is giving to us something that we don't deserve. Do you guys all like gifts? You all like gifts? You know, our birthday comes up and we're given a gift. Sometimes we'll get gifts out of the blue for no reason. I, I don't know, just, just because someone kind of loves you. So, you know, as, as shown appreciation, I'm giving you a gift, maybe something you didn't even ask for or really deserve, but someone gives it to you. God has offered us a gift in humanity. See, and I'm offering you a free gift of salvation by grace. You didn't even earn it. You don't deserve it, but here you are. I'm going to give it to you, and it's, and it's, it's attained by faith. And this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So in other words, look, our salvation that we have with Jesus, when we stand before God, we cannot say that I deserve to be here based on my own merit. I've been a good little boy. I used to believe this, by the way, when I was growing up, up to I was 17 years old when I entered a relationship with Jesus Christ. I always thought I was a pretty good kid. I never killed anybody. I didn't, I didn't steal I didn't, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I was a pretty decent young man. The girlfriends that I had, uh, their parents kind of liked me. That was a plus. Uh, I mean, my father-in-law gave me permission to marry Jenny when she was still in high school. Boy, was he nuts. <laughs> I don't know why he did that, but anyway... But I can't get to heaven on my own merit. But I can get to heaven on the merit of Jesus. I can enter a relationship with Jesus 
based upon what He's done for me and what He has done for you. Notice what Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is, this is really my favorite verse. If, you, if I was to, someone was to ask me, you know, pastor, what is your favorite verse? This is it. You know why? Because God loved me and while I was still a sinner. When I rejected him, when I opposed him, God still loved me in spite of me. And he demonstrated it for me by giving his only son on the cross at Calvary. And that's true for you too. God provided us a way to be saved, delivered from our sin and its penalty. So we're not only invited to acknowledge our need, not only are we invited to acknowledge the provision, but we're invited to respond. To respond, Romans 9, 10, because if you confess, this word confession is the idea that we are agreeing to, with God about our need and about the provision. And we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So we're invited to respond. When we acknowledge our greatest need is him, because we're wretched, we're sinners, and we can't get to heaven on our own merit, but we understand God's provision to save us. And that we can have eternal life and forgiveness of sins based on the shed blood of Christ and his death and his burial and his resurrection. That when we respond by faith, confessing to God that I am a sinner and I'm in need of you and thank you, Lord, for all that you've done and I cry out to you to save me and I believe that with my entire heart. Those who call upon the Lord, we're told, shall be saved. So Jesus says, I'm inviting you into this relationship to learn from me. But you must acknowledge who you are and acknowledge who I am and trust me. Believe in me and I will save you. And that's just the beginning. But that's how you enter that relationship of being a disciple. Well, then what is required of a disciple? <clears throat> I don't know about you. Have you guys ever took a job and didn't know what was required of you? Anybody? It's like once you took the job, says, man, I didn't know what I got myself into. Most of the time I found myself when I got promoted into a supervisor role, I said, oh man, I wish I was just a flunky once again. Oh, the responsibility is too great, right? Uh, I remember when I enlisted in the army, uh, I, I, just, I didn't want a whole lot of schooling. I just wanted a short little training session. I didn't want 15 months or, you know, a year. I just wanted short. I had enough of school. I, and I wanted something fun, right? Right? I wanted something fun. So the recruiter showed me a video of guys rappelling out of helicopters and riding motorcycles and in Humvees and shooting all sorts of weaponry. And they called it a 19 Delta Cavalry Scout. And only a brief little section of someone actually in a Bradley fighting vehicle, a miniature tank more or less. And I didn't want that. 
So I said, I want to, because I thought it entailed all of that. And I said, I want to do that. Sign me up. So I did. And I go to basic training and I, 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 you know, I'm doing my training and all of a sudden I get my schooling portion and they show me this Bradley. And I said, well, what about the rappelling? What about the motorcycles? No, no, it's just the Bradley. Oh, I was heartbroken. I didn't know. I didn't understand what was required. Well, you know what? I'm thankful. I'm thankful that Jesus lays out what's required of a disciple. First of all, what's required is to have a saving relationship with Jesus. But after you enter this relationship, I want you to notice some things that Jesus says. First of all, they were to make Jesus our priority. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, notice what he says, he cannot be my disciple. That's some commitment, isn't it? In other words, now, he's not saying here that you literally have to hate your parents or your children. But what he is saying is that above all earthly human relationships, Jesus must be the preeminent relationship, the priority of relationship above all else. But how many people do we see today uh, fail to follow Jesus because of the relationship with their parents? Or the relationship to their children. No. Jesus wants your allegiance. He wants your loyalty. And that must take first precedent. Jesus must come first. And let me tell you. As a father of a prodigal son. Who left our home because I love Jesus. And I love my son. But I can't compromise and I can't change because Jesus is who I ultimately answer to. And I have to be okay with that. Jesus must come first. And you know, if you really read stories of prodigals and statistics, do you know that a lot of prodigals come back because their parents did not compromise? Steady it. It's true. So make Jesus your priority. Second thing, to be willing to self-sacrifice. Notice he says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. To deny yourself. You know, there's a lot of people that are not willing to follow Jesus because they feel like it has to give up a whole lot. Well, you know what? I entered ministry. I pastoring, preaching that was not on my radar. I had a life laid out, military career, retirement at 38, having a second career. I don't know. I wanted to do a whole lot more fishing than I'm doing today. But you know, I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't change a thing. We have to learn sometimes to set aside our own wants and desires because Jesus always knows what's best for us. And to bear your cross and to carry it. I mean, is it a small thing to think about that Jesus bore a cross and denied himself for our salvation? Is it a small thing that he asks of you to do the same for him? He's to be our priority. We're to put self aside and Jesus first. And that's what's required of a disciple. Now, here's something a little more positive. 
We're to be willing to love like Jesus. Notice what is recorded in John chapter 13. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, all the people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love. Really, this love is, again, a self-sacrificing love, looking at the benefit and the well-being of someone else. To love as Jesus loved. Well, that's, that's a lot of love because there's a lot of people that, you know, when I'm driving through rush hour traffic, I don't want to love too much. There's sometimes I, I, I run into people and they're not nice and they're kind of rude to you. And I don't feel like being very loving back. But I keep thinking, well, how would Jesus love them? Because you see, what I do, if I love people as Jesus loves people, what it's like is, you know, going back to the, the, the military analogy, when I was in the military, uh, my very first uh, unit patch was a second armor division uh, patch that said H-E double hockey sticks on wheels, right? You guys got that, right? It said hell on wheels. Uh, Patton's unit, right? So that, that, that was my unit, and I had it, and I went to combat, so it went from my left side to my right side, and then I went to 1st Cavalry Division, right, which is the biggest patch in the U.S. forces, and it, it, it's, it's kind of ugly, by the way, but it is. It's, it's there. And, uh, but it, what it did is it, it signified what unit I served with or who I belonged to. And that, 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 that insignia that tells people that we are disciples is by the way in which we love one another. It's not by your bumper sticker. It's not by your T-shirt. It's not even carrying a Bible in your hand. It's the manner in which we love one another. To love like Jesus tells the world that we're disciples, learners, followers of Jesus. So what is the church's responsibility? What is the church's role in discipleship? Well, the church is to be disciple makers. Notice in Matthew chapter 28, this is the Great Commission. Jesus said before his ascension to the church after his resurrection, by the way, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So, our responsibility is to make disciples, which begins at evangelism, which will be the last sermon I preach in this series. It starts there. As people come to know Christ, then our responsibility is to see them commit in baptism and then to teach them all things. So, to evangelize, we'll make disciples. To, see, to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then to teach them all things, to teach them the Word of God, to impart to them what God has to say. Well, what are, what are our opportunities as a church for teaching? Well, sermons and worship. Uh, the, the time that we gather together to worship and the sermons that are preached are for your 
I'll use a Christianese term, edification. You're building up for your education that you might take what, what is being said from God's Word and begin to make application in your life in a worship setting. Two, study groups. We have a lot of study groups. We got the fellowship class, we got the Oath or Blunt class, we got the, 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 the pastor's class, which I'm not, yeah, the pastor's class, we got the home builder's class, we got the way class, and we got all classes of all ages and sizes, and I hope that you're not 25 still in Mrs. Evans' Sunday school class. But we got it, you can just call it Sunday school or, we, you know, uh, with small groups, there's Bible studies. You know, we have a wonderful ladies' Bible study. We also have what's referred to as FBI, Gale Faith Bible Institute, right? People study the Word, they can get a certificate doing three years completion. But, but there's other things too. I mean, have you ever had a Bible study in your own home with a small group of people? That's pretty fascinating. It's pretty nice. Or you can do one-on-one -on -one mentoring. That's what we see in the Old Testament a lot of times. Look, at Jesus had 12 guys that followed him, left everything, learned of him, followed him. They became apostles and changed the world. But we can disciple people one-on-one. -on -one. Now, it's hard. I can't do one-on-one -on -one with the whole congregation. That'd be an impossibility. But I can take a few people, begin to meet with them and, and walk with them and do life with them and have accountability with them and teach them and model before them what it's like to be a disciple and teach them and, and for the whole purpose that people might grow and change. So we have lots of opportunities here for people to be learners of God's Word. So the question is, will you commit, devote Put yourself in this relationship with Jesus to be willing to learn from Him in a number of ways. Because there's many opportunities for teaching. So then what is the goal for discipleship? What is the goal of discipleship? What is the ultimate end for you? Well, to become like Christ. Notice what Jesus says. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. See, Jesus poured into people that the Word of God would change their lives and they would grow and mature spiritually, that they would become more and more like him. That's our same goal today. We all have room for growth. It doesn't matter if you've been serving the Lord for 50 years. You still have room for growth. If you're a new believer, you have room for growth. There's never a time while we're on this earth until Jesus comes back that we stop growing. Well, unless we stop learning. Don't stop learning. Continue to learn and invest yourself in God's Word that it might change you and cause you to grow. Because our goal in discipleship is to encourage people to enter a relationship with Jesus and to learn of Him through private devotion, 
How's your private Bible study going with you? If you're not doing it, can I encourage you to go ahead and get a reading plan together and start reading God's Word. If you can only read a few verses a, a, a day, that's fine. It's a starting point, but I hope I can uh, get you, encourage you to read more. Worship. Come to worship. It's just not about singing. It's about gathering together with God's people in the presence of Jesus to learn of Him. Group Bible studies. Hey, we have what you want to call a Sunday school class, study group. We have something for everyone. Come to a class. We have some wonderful teachers that take a lot of time to to study God's Word, to teach people so that you can become like Jesus. And there's mentoring. Not only do I, I think we have a great staff, but there are people in this church willing to give of their own time to help any of you have a better walk with Jesus. In order that for all of us to conform to the image of Christ, to be more like Jesus. That's our goal. We have worship, we have discipleship because we're a life changing church. And worship, and discipleship, and fellowship, and service. And evangelism changes lives. Don't you desire Jesus to do a work in your life? Then we must put ourselves in position for Jesus to transform us. And it begins by calling upon Him for salvation and committing and saying, Lord, I'm going to learn from you. So this morning as we stand together, I want to ask you, are you a disciple? Are you a learner of Jesus? Have you devoted yourself to His teaching that can transform your life? Maybe this morning as we have this time of invitation, maybe God put it on your heart that said, you know what? I need to improve my quiet time with God. It's the beginning of the year. I committed to already start reading the scripture. I'm already finding myself behind and letting anything and everything get in the way. I, can I just say, to, just to regroup, don't quit, but recommit to having that time with Jesus, it will transform your life. If you've never been to a study group, can I say that you're invited to any of them? We have something for your age. And it's just not a study group that, that just teaches. It, it's, it's, it's a place for relationship. and growth 
Will you commit to join one? Maybe we have one of the other Bible studies that we have going on in church. And so, you know what? I've always been wanting to go to the ladies' Bible study. Just haven't yet. You know, they've been been meeting now for a couple of weeks, but it's never too late to join. Maybe you want some more one-on-one mentoring. You can come to me and say, Pastor, I really want someone to walk with me. I struggle in areas, and I just, I just want someone maybe more on a one-on-one to, to walk with me because I want to be like Jesus. You know, I, I, I would, if I have time available, I will do that for you, but if not, I will find someone who can and who's willing to walk with you. But the most important thing this morning is to be in that relationship with Jesus. And if you've not called upon his name for salvation, you have an opportunity to do that today. You can cry to him from right where you're standing and say, Jesus, save me. But trust me, if you do, we would love to know because we want to rejoice and praise God with you. Maybe you know the Lord is your Savior and you want to take that next step of obedience and, and you need to you know, submit yourself to scriptural baptism. We would love to celebrate that. Maybe you've been visiting with us and you want to make Faith NLR your home, your church home. We invite you to come. May each of us here this morning be a disciple and a disciple maker. Let's be learners and teach others about Jesus. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love and grace. Father, we thank you for your continued patience and care for us. And Father, this morning I pray that as we consider the subject of discipleship, that each in our hearts we know that we are a disciple, that we've entered a relationship with you and we're willing to learn of you and about you, that our lives might be transformed that we can become more like you, that you might receive all the honor and all the glory. And Father, if there's any decision that needs to be made this morning, whether for commitment, salvation, Father, I pray that you'll work in that individual's heart and they'll enter a relationship with you, change our lives, that we might see the world change, that your light might shine bright in a world of darkness, that people will glorify you and the great salvation that you have offered to each of us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.